0: What's amazing about communion is A, two things. First, we get to do it all together. Isn't it amazing to do things together in unity? When there's so much disunity going around in our culture and in our world, we get to come into this room for just a moment of time in unity, running to the same foundation and the same rock, which is Jesus Christ. Secondly, This communion that we just celebrated was something that Jesus gave to the apostles, the apostles then gave to the church, and then the church has been doing this ever since. And so we just got to join into the movement of God's people from the time when Jesus ascended into heaven and the spirit rests on all the apostles and the church began. Isn't that pretty astounding today? We get to enter into that, to be a part of the movement of the church. If you haven't been with us, that's exactly what we've been covering and going through is the movement of the church, of God's people in the book of Acts. And so this week we're going to be in chapter six, the end of chapter six, and the entire chapter seven which if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chapter 6 and chapter 7. And if you look at 7, you're like, really? This is a really long chapter, all right? So you just hold on to your seats, okay? The one thing we love about God's Word is that it gives us this remembrance, this, this idea that we can put our faith in Jesus, we can be obedient to Jesus, and we can have hope for Jesus. And and we're a part of this same movement. And in the book of Acts, I love how Luke sets it up because not only do we get to follow in the footsteps of the church as a whole, just like we did with communion, but we also get to follow in the footsteps of certain individuals that have been highlighted in the book of Acts. One of those people that is highlighted in the book of Acts is Stephen. And that's where we, in chapter 6, the end of 6 and into 7, we get to the story of Stephen, who really is just a hero of the faith, a hero of the church. Now, when it comes to the heroes of the faith, many of us have particular people who are heroes in our faith, right? Maybe that was your parents. Maybe your parents are heroes of faith to you because they intentionally taught you about God's word and you were able to hear the gospel at a young age. Maybe it was a grandparent. Maybe grandparents are always the ones who are like, I just go pick up my grandkids and bring them to church. Uh, There's so many people who are like, because of my grandparents, I came to faith in Christ. How amazing is that? Maybe it's a, a friend or a coworker who took the, the time and was intentional with you to share Jesus with you. Maybe it could be someone from history like Billy Graham, Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, other people. Or maybe it's just reading your Bible and there are many people highlighted in the scripture who are heroes of faith, much like Joshua, Hannah, Daniel, Mary, Barnabas, the list goes on. And so I want you to really think about your life. Who are your heroes of faith? For me personally, it was first and foremost my parents who took the time to teach me about Jesus, intentionally to point me to Jesus and how much I need him in my life. It was people like my grandpa who was a seminary professor and knew the, the scriptures so well. People like my uncles and, and family and, and stuff like that, friends who kept me accountable. I can, I can think of all of them in my life. And so who, who are your heroes of faith? Who are the people who have helped you in your life, who have built up your faith? In Acts 7, we just want to highlight one of those people we can look to. The story of Stephen, we're going to see four characteristics that we can, as a church and as individuals, emulate and reflect in our lives. And so because we have a lot to cover, we're just going to jump right into Stephen's story today. Uh, if you weren't here with us last week in Acts chapter 6, at the beginning, the church is rapidly growing, just booming, if you will. And, and yeah, this is a, an amazing thing. But on the flip side, it's also causing issues. And for the first time, the church is going through some disunity. I shouldn't say first time, because Ananias and Sapphire was kind of the first time. But this is the first time there was this disunity. They didn't really know what to do. Do. And so the the apostles were like, hey, we're gonna choose seven guys to then go ahead and serve some tables. And so last week we looked at those seven people who were chosen to help lead the church. And one of those people, the first person mentioned in Acts 6, is Stephen. What do we know about Stephen? First, we know that he was Greek speaking, he was well respected, and also he was willing to serve in his life. But Luke specifically takes the time to describe Stephen a little bit more for us today. So in Acts chapter 6, we see this. Acts 6, 5, Luke says, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. I love when there are parentheses in the Bible because that makes us stop and really think the author wants us to to grasp this. Like, Stephen, oh, and by the way, don't forget, he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. That's just who he was. That's what he was known for. Not only that, look at what verse 8 says. It says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. So not only is he a man full of faith in God, receive the Spirit, but also the Spirit then works in him grace and power in this life to do some pretty amazing things. And so not only that, we see also at the end of chapter 7, in verse 55, it says, Stephen full of the Holy Spirit. And so here in these three descriptions, we see that Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit, that he is full of faith, that he is full of grace, and that he is full of power. Now, can you guys, can you guys figure out what the first point is? Of what characteristic that we can emulate in this life? He was full. He was full. He was full in his life. Uh, and that's one characteristic that we can absolutely emulate and reflect in our lives. The word full means of the soul or thoroughly permeated with. I like the word abounding as well. So, so think about this. Luke wants us to understand that this Stephen, who was chosen to serve the tables of these widows and the people in the church, that he was a man who was full. He was permeated with. He was abounding in what? The Spirit, faith. Grace, power. It was just exuding from his life. It, it was, he was permeated with it and it was abounding out of his soul. So much so that people could physically see it in him. If you go to Acts chapter 6, verse 15, after he had spoken to some people and, and they couldn't stop him, look what it says. It says, And gazing at him, at Stephen, all who sat in the council, saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Isn't that amazing? Stephen was known as a man full of the spirit of faith, of grace, of power. But that just didn't stay inside of him. It actually abounded out of him to the point where his face shone like an angel to the people who were watching him. And this makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, how many of you are people that you just wear your emotions on your sleeve? There's tons of you out there probably. I, I think of kids the best. Kids give their emotions away instantly, don't they? Uh, if they're excited and happy and, and they obey and they do good things, their faces are like little angels. But then if they're over here, if they're mad or, or, or sad or hitting each other, you can almost see it in their face. They look like something else, don't they? I didn't say it. You thought it. <laughs> but that's just a physical example of what's going on here for Stephen. This is a spiritual thing Stephen is going through. He, he has faith in, in Jesus Christ as his Savior, so he receives the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit that he is full of just exudes out of him so that people can see that he is full of the Spirit in his life. And so that begs the question, what are we full of? What are we full of? Because at the end of the day, we can either be full of the Spirit or full of ourselves, can't we? And so we just need to think about that for a little moment. We're all full of something. It permeates our souls. It affects our entire being to the point where people can see it on our face. And so you've got to ask yourself, what am I full of? Self? With the spirit, self or the spirit—that's it. Uh, prideful self, and you're just full of yourself, or are you full of the spirit, with, which is exuding out of you? And so what are some of the indicators here? Evidence of a soul full of self or bitterness, discontentment, easily giving into temptation, not desiring the things of God and people pleasing. This is not an exhaustive list. It obviously continues on. But these are just some of the indicators that you may be full of yourself. I may be full of myself if some of these things are coming out of our lives. Now, if you're full of the Spirit, here are some indicators here. Uh, Then you will have uh, faith, grace, power. Those are three things that Stephen was, was full of the Spirit. Those were indicators of that. Contentment, humility, unconditional love, and striving to fight temptation. And we fight temptation because we're never perfect with that. Those are indicators of being full of the Spirit, and we see that through Scriptures. So listen, being full of the Spirit motivates our faith, grace, and it gives us the power to, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stephen's whole appearance was being affected because he was abounding with the Spirit, because the Spirit had permeated his soul and he was living it out in his life. And the beautiful thing is, is that the same Spirit that Stephen have has, Is the same spirit that we have today. Scriptures are very clear that that God doesn't change. And from the beginning of time to, to now, his spirit has worked in the same exact way. And so we see that God's spirit still works in the same way. And so what Stephen had in this day in Acts, we can have today. So, how do you receive this spirit? It's simple you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's that simple. You understand your depravity, you understand who you are, your sinfulness, and that motivates your need for a Savior to to wash away your sins, which is only possible through Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, guess what happens? He then sends the Spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance. That's how we receive the Spirit. That's how Stephen received the Spirit, and it hasn't changed and so you have to ask yourself, are you, are you full of yourself, just living life how you want and, and just kind of going about with everything you want, or are you full of the Spirit? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ and then have the Spirit to then have grace and power? That's a question only you can answer for yourself. You see, Stephen was full of the Spirit internally, and then that motivated the fruit that he produced externally. So there's always an internal and the external always work together here. You can't have one without the other. And so many people will focus on the external things we do in life, but we fail to think about the internal aspect. And then opposite, some people only think about the internal salvation, but don't ever think about the external fruit we produce in life. And so we see the next characteristic that we can recognize in Stephen's life is his fruit. It says fruit. Our faith in Christ, we receive the Spirit, then motivates our fruit that we produce in this life. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 17 through 20. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. That is so profound, isn't it? That was a joke, okay. Okay. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. How true is that last one, right? Right there. You can identify people by their actions. I love Jesus using the the imagery of trees because it's something we can understand. We've all seen trees before. We all probably have a favorite fruit tree. And so what we need to do, spiritually speaking, is to imagine ourselves as a tree. So what fruit tree would you choose? I would probably choose a cherry tree. They're gorgeous, okay, and cherries are amazing. But what tree are you going to be, spiritually speaking, And then, when you think about this concept, then you got to think, what fruit then am I producing in my life? Because that's what happens. Our lives are not for ourselves. Our lives are for others. And so we get to then produce for others so that they they can enjoy and feast upon the spirit and the love of God in our lives. And so what fruit are you producing in your life? In fact, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, right? And so Stephen is a man full of the Spirit, which means then he is producing the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, just some of the fruit of the Spirit that we get to exude, that we get to produce in our lives. But if we're full of ourselves... We're never going to produce good fruit, are we? If we're full of ourselves, our fruit is not going to be good. In fact, it's going to be pretty rotten and people are going to be able to see it and be able to identify you in the moment of who you truly are and where where your allegiance lies. And so ask yourself, what fruit am I producing? Stephen was full of the Spirit, which motivated him to produce the good fruit. What's the good fruit? We see it here in Acts 6, 8 through 10. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Uh, It's interesting here that Luke does not take the time to list every miracle he did. He does not take the time to list all the signs he did either. Which means that the miracles and signs are not the important part. What's important is, is that God was working through Stephen, through his spirit. Why? So that others could be pointed to Jesus and his resurrection. And so as great as miracles are, as great as signs are, that's not the important thing. Because those things are just guideposts to what's truly important in our lives. And that's Jesus and his resurrection. And so Stephen's fruit in this life, he was doing these miracles, he was doing these signs so that people could feast on the joy and the love and the graciousness and the goodness of Christ. And because of that, he was producing so much fruit in his life. Maybe you have a tree in your yard like that that just does not stop and you can't get rid of it. He was producing so much fruit, and then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen, but here's more fruit. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So even in the midst of this turmoil in their synagogue, Stephen, fruit, his fruit, had so much wisdom to it. They, they couldn't even stand against him. You know what this shows us there is that he was producing all these fruit, these miracles, these signs, and stuff like that. And then people were opposing him. But you can't fake the fruit, can you? Like if he was an imposter and he was just doing this for his own gain, if, if he was just kind of faking it, if you will, He would have never been able to outstand them, if you will. He would never have been able to stand up to them in wisdom and the spirit which Stephen spoke. Which means that we today cannot fake the fruit, can we? And yet how often do many of us in this room want to fake the fruit? I'll be the first to admit, I love faking the fruit to look good to people. And yet that's not a good way to live, is it? Because at some point, the truth finds itself out, doesn't it? We cannot fake the fruit in our lives. It's either going to be good or bad. Jesus doesn't give us a mediocre fruit, you know, kind of like that watermelon that just isn't that good. It's either good or bad. And so, what fruit are you producing in your life? Good or bad? Is it motivated by the Spirit or is it motivated by self? That's a pretty good indicator of whether it's good or bad. And so Stephen was full of the spirit that motivated his fruit in his life. And one of the fruit that we see in Stephen's life in the midst of Acts 6 and 7 is the fruit of faithfulness. The fruit of faithfulness. So he was full of the spirit. He was living out the fruit. And one of the fruit that we see is faithfulness in this life. Uh, We don't We don't have the time to read all of chapter 7. So I have homework for you guys today. Everybody have a Bible? If not, take one from Iraq. Take it home, okay? Go home and read chapter 7. It's very long. It's, It's Stephen's sermon, one of the longest sermons we find in Scripture. It's his sermon, and in the midst of his sermon, we see Stephen's faithfulness. First, we see Stephen's faithfulness to God. We see his faithfulness to God. He, he knows that because of the opposition of those in his synagogue, the fact that he has brought to the Jerusalem leaders, the fact that they basically arrested him, he knows that he's in a tight spot, that he could lose his life, that he's probably not walking out of this. And so he has a choice. He can either please man or please God. And so what does he do? Well, he steps up and he pleases God. Later in 1 Thessalonians 2 4, Paul writes this. He says, Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. You know what's amazing about that? We're going to read it in a little bit. Paul was there and witnessed Stephen proclaiming and being faithful to God and not trying to please man. Paul was there holding the coats of those who were about to, to kill him. I'm giving the story away, sorry. Paul was there watching Stephen stay faithful to God. And I wonder if when he was writing this letter to the first Thessalonians, if he just really truly was like, you know what? That's Stephen. And we need to emulate that in his life. He was faithful to God by speaking up and speaking the truth in love. Next, we see in his sermon, not only was he faithful to God, but The whole sermon was talking about the faithfulness of God. And so he really goes and he recaps the the history of Israel to these Jerusalem leaders who should have faith in Jesus because the entire Old Testament points to Jesus in his resurrection, but they don't. And so Stephen is just reminding them, bringing to remembrance, remember, remembrance is fuel, isn't it? And so he's bringing to remembrance the faithfulness of God in their lives. Uh, he brings up the faithfulness of Abraham. God gave of God to Abraham, but God gave him, Abraham, no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. And so he's reminding them of God's faithfulness to Abraham. Now look at this faithfulness to Joseph. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him, God's faithfulness, and rescued him from all his troubles. And then at the end of his sermon, we get all the way to the bottom. He's reminding them of God's faithfulness, even though they are rejecting him in the moment. Because that's how God works. Do you know that? Like God is faithful even when we're faithless. God is faithful to us even when we reject him. And and we know this because of right here, you stubborn people. He's talking to these people like you're so stubborn. You're, You're heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the spirit? That's what your ancestors did and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels. In his sermon, Stephen remains faithful to God by remembering the faithfulness of God. And so if you find it difficult to remain faithful to God, you need to bring to mind and remember how God has been faithful to you in your life. And that starts with how he's been faithful to you so much so that he went to the cross and gave his life for you specifically. And then we can all kind of trace our lives and see how God has been faithful even though we've rejected him, even though we walk away, even though we stray, even though we may resist him. Yet God has been faithful time and time and time again. Stephen remains faithful to God by remembering the faithfulness of God. May we emulate that today. The last characteristic we need to look at quickly is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Stephen is well known as the first martyr of the church. And we're gonna read that in a second. But also he's pretty well known for the forgiveness in which he shows those who persecute him and end up killing him. Look what happens. And they rushed at him. So so basically they all got mad after that sermon. You you read it. He's like, You're stubborn. He's basically like, You guys are terrible people. And so they get really mad. And they're like, how dare you? And and just in in rage and anger, they drag him out of the city. And they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. In other words, forgive them. And with that, he died. How many of us would forgive in the midst of being persecuted and being destroyed? What I love here, listen, talk about God's faithfulness to his people. Stephen prayed this prayer for everybody present in that moment. And one of the people that were present that Luke mentions is Saul. And so when you really think about it, God heard Stephen's prayer and answered his prayer by forgiving Saul for persecuting and murdering people who were following Jesus. God heard his prayer and then used Saul to further the kingdom of God. All because Stephen wanted to forgive those who were literally killing him in the moment. It's astounding what God can do through our prayers for others, through our forgiveness for others. And where did Stephen learn this? It's simple. Luke 23, 34. Remember, Luke wrote Luke and Acts. And so it's, this is pretty familiar. This is Jesus before he went to the cross. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled For his clothes by throwing dice. Even Jesus, Jesus set the example and he forgave those who were going to murder him on the cross, kill him on the cross. And Stephen follows in Jesus' footsteps and does the same exact thing. And God honors that prayer of forgiveness and then uses one of those people to further the kingdom. It makes me think how many other people in that crowd came to know Jesus after Stephen's prayer? Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness leads people to the one that forgave us. Forgiveness is necessary in all of our lives. So, who in your life needs forgiveness? Whom doesn't deserve it? Because we didn't deserve it from Jesus, did we? Four characteristics for us to follow. We need to be full of the Spirit. To be full of the Spirit, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And like I said, the Scriptures promise that you will receive the Spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance, of eternal life. And so put your faith in Jesus Christ so you can be full. That fullness of the Spirit then leads to the external fruit in our lives. And remember, you can't fake the fruit. You you literally can't just uh, fake it in life. It's just going to exude from you. And so... Produce either good fruit or bad fruit. What fruit are you producing? And then one of the fruit is faithfulness. Remember, we remain faithful to God because we remember the faithfulness of God toward us. And so if you're having a hard time staying faithful to God in your spiritual journey, just remember how God has been faithful to you. And then the last thing is because of God's faithfulness to you and the fact that you didn't deserve forgiveness, I didn't for- deserve forgiveness we then get to follow in Jesus' footsteps and forgive those in our lives. And when we forgive those in our lives, it points to the one that has forgiven us. And so may we follow in Stephen's footsteps today. May we leave here full, producing fruit, faithful to God, forgiving others. Let's pray.